Hi, and welcome to the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. And I'm David Averbach, CEO and Publisher. Each episode, we bring to you the best apps, top tips, and great gear in the iOS world. Today, we have some best apps to use this summer that we want to go over. Uh, We also have a lot of other great tips leading into this fall season. Um, I am excited that in a month and a half, we're going to have new iPhones. (laughs) Yeah, this this feels like our last normal podcast before we're just like full-on rumor mode slash then everything comes out. That's what I was thinking. I feel like it's still, we're still in the season we can be going over best apps for summer, even though it's already, at least for me, starting to feel like (laughs) summer is basically over. And now I'm moved on to thinking about uh, September and the iPhone. You know, I had that thought. So maybe... Best apps to finish your summer off with a bang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put a marketing spin on this. Um, exactly. A few things. Number one, we recorded this podcast last week, and then none of the audio worked. So, <sighs> so we're sad. here doing it again for you guys, which is why we're late by week for the podcast. I'm sorry. It's so yeah. sad. If anybody wants to watch Don and I talk for an hour without hearing a single word <laughs> we say... We can post that for you. (laughs) Number two, part of why I'm bringing this up is we mentioned this last week. It's now been two weeks, but we two weeks ago celebrated our 10-year company anniversary. Yeah. uh, Which is wild that we've been at this for 10 years. And a little backstory. And actually, maybe we can post this. At one point, we actually had the founder... Uh, the original founder of the company on the podcast and talked about this story. We could post a link to it. Um, the publishing company has been around for about 30 years. Uh, the current incarnation with, you know, Donna and I as leaders of the company are, has been 10 years now. So it's been 10 years for the current incarnation. We flew all of our employees out. We had like 18 people come and uh, we're a largely remote company now due to COVID, but we all got together. And it was wonderful. And we just wanted to take a minute to thank you all because without you all, we wouldn't be here. And thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much for those of you who are subscribers. We are a small independent publisher and your support is what allows us to be here. Thank you. Yeah, it's a really good feeling seeing our team growing and being able to do um more and more like to grow our company and really we couldn't be doing it without all of you. And on that note, please share this podcast with your friends. We we have a lot of dedicated podcast listeners that, you know, we hear from and have been hearing from for years, but we also want to reach new people. So if you have friends that you think would enjoy the show, we really appreciate you making sure to share it with them. <laughs> note, I have a favorite tip I wanted to tell you about. We've started incorporating Mac tips about once a week and um I have been learning a lot through these these Mac tips because it's something I hadn't really spent a lot of time focusing on until as a company we decided to take on Mac. And this is how to check RAM on your Mac to see which apps are slowing your computer down. And um, I think that this is one of those things a lot of times over time your computer can slow down and you can just think that's just the way it is. Like mm-hmm. your computer's just slowing down. But really um, it's something that you can, you can manage and uh, – a lot of times eliminate the problem. So I was going to go over a couple like troubleshooting tips that you can do. So you first, you want to go to your activity monitor app and there's a few different ways to get there. If you hit F4 on your keyboard, oops, sorry. Um, F4 and then just type in activity monitor that opens up like your search and that's the fastest way to get to it. Otherwise you can open up your applications and finder, go to utilities and then open activity monitor. 
And from there, you want to click memory from the menu at the top. And from here, you'll see, uh, like, for instance, my MacBook Air has 16 gigabytes of memory total. And that 11.55 gigabytes are being used. And you'll see a list of the apps that are taking it up. Right now, randomly, my Notes app is taking up the most memory. So if I select that and then click the little X button, it'll shut down the Notes app. So this way, you can see which apps are taking up the most memory. And if it's not an app you're using at the moment, you can close it down and that should speed up your computer. And so I want to just talk, David, quickly about memory versus storage <laughs> so that you're understanding what this means with your device. Um, and also just then go over, there are a couple other tips that I have as well if your computer is slow and you're, and really it's because your RAM is being used up, why that might be. So David, I feel like when we recorded this podcast last time, you did a good job of explaining the difference between like what memory and RAM is versus storage. I have big feelings about okay. RAM. So let me share my feelings <laughs> with you all. Uh, yeah. So I, in my opinion, I mean, A, there's a lot of confusion and B, in my opinion, RAM is something that doesn't get enough attention when thinking about computer, buying a computer or thinking about why is your computer going slow, everyone focuses on the processor, which is, of course, incredibly important. Um, or they focus on storage, but don't focus on RAM. So, okay, memory is a confusing term because it sounds a lot like storage. Storage, when we're talking about your iPhone or we're talking about especially your Mac, storage is how much space your hard drive has or your solid state drive has. It's the ability to hold a lot of files. RAM stands for random access memory. And what it is, is it's short-term memory. It's how it's your ability to run multiple things at the same time on your computer. Uh, and so if you have a lot of tabs open on your browser, that uses RAM. If you have a lot of applications open, that uses RAM. Uh, processor is the chip in your computer, and that's your ability to do complex tasks on your computer. So if you are rendering a large video, that's going to use processing power. But the ability to run multiple things at the same time is RAM. And it's really important because <laughs> we all run a lot of things at the same time, and often that is why you end up getting slowed down. So the, the thing that Donna just told you about, Activity Monitor, is a really great thing to just make sure you check every once in a while um, for a few reasons. First of all, if you notice your computer is slow, definitely check it. If you get the spinny wheel of death, definitely check it, like if you get that little beach ball. Uh, it, but also just check it every once in a while because sometimes what happens is you have programs running in the background that you aren't aware of. And they start when you restart your computer and they're in the background, you don't notice them. And they can be malicious like malware or they can just be take up a lot of memory and not be useful to you. Mm -hmm. And those are things you want to check. So activity monitor is a good thing to check periodically for all of those reasons. Um, and when you buy a new computer, it's one of the things that I always recommend people do is check how much RAM they have. And, and I, it's one of the areas I always splurge on. I almost always max out my RAM, if I'm being honest, because it makes your computer feel way faster, especially when you're trying to juggle a bunch of things. Mm -hmm. And so I also think that your explanation of memory versus storage is important in terms of when you're deciding to, what computer to buy. Mm -hmm. uh, you may need a certain amount of storage on it, but also memory is a huge consideration uh, depending whether or not you're like a power user with your Mac, if you're doing like really... Um, intensive work like video editing or something like that, then you're going to need more 
memory or RAM because even just to run that one program, you're using a lot of RAM. Yeah. Absolutely. Whereas like if you're doing word processing like I am doing mostly as an editor, then it's just fine having the 16 gigabytes of RAM with the MacBook Air. Um, mm -hmm. And as long as I keep an eye on it, and don't have too many tabs open or unnecessary things. So on that note, I just wanted to mention a few things that you can do um, aside from what I just mentioned. Of course, go to the activity monitor if your computer is being slow. See if you have any unnecessary apps open. Then also, as David mentioned, if you have Safari or some other browser open, close any unnecessary tabs because having a ton of tabs open takes up RAM. And then this is one that I did not know about and I think is pretty cool to know about. Get rid of any files on your desktop computer that are not unnecessary because uh, on your desktop because apparently Mac treats items on your desktop as active windows. And so if you if you have them open and for no reason they will or they they have things saved to your desktop for no reason, that's going to be slowing your computer down. So for instance, sometimes when I download files, I would save them to my desktop. Uh -huh. um, even though so downloads is a better place to save them okay. than on your desktop. Um, and then periodically just go get rid of stuff, which makes me want to go talk to our COO Noah because <laughs> when I, I look at thought. his computer, it's like his whole desktop is just tons and tons of files. Like he, I don't know why he does it that way but i wonder if he knows that it's slowing his computer <laughs> down anyways we spent a long time on this tip longer than a minute most tips in our daily newsletter are only take a minute and this one opening up your activity monitor and checking it only takes a minute but um we like sometimes in the podcast to like get into it and explain a little bit more some of these terms that you might not have total clarity on so ram versus storage and ram and memory are interchangeable terms those are good yes. things to remember uh I w a couple of more thoughts okay <laughs> if you will allow me to go even longer than how long we've gone because it's a very there's a key distinction between the mac operating system and the iphone operating system and everybody gets confused about this apps running in the background on your iphone do not take up RAM. Mm. So it does not, if you have a bunch of apps open on your iPhone, it does not drain your battery any faster. It does not make your iPhone go slower. Apple has said this repeatedly. There's a really common misconception that, and this might have been true in the early days of iPhones, that to make your iPhone go faster, you have to open up your app launcher and just close out all the apps. I watched somebody do it the other day and tell me they're making their iPhone go faster. And I was like, you are not. That being said, on the Mac, apps running in the background do slow down your computer. It's a difference in operating system. So you do want to periodically look at what's running in the background on your Mac and close it out. You want to periodically restart your computer just to like keep uh, to clear your RAM altogether. That's a really healthy thing to do on your Mac. On your iPhone, it's less necessary. So understanding the difference is really important. And that's the last point I want to make here is to, to kind of bring it back full circle to us covering Mac. If you watched the last uh, announcement for Apple, it was really clear that they were having a hard time differentiating between operating systems now because the lines get so blurred. For example, for messages, it's like messages show up on your Mac, they show up on your iPhone, they show up on your iPad. You have handoff features now. So there's a lot of blurred lines between operating systems, which is why we're covering Mac now because it's like the, the it's hard to draw a clear line of distinction. Uh, 
but we understand that a lot of people don't have Macs. So we are going to cover it like we cover, say, an Apple Watch, where we, for those who have it, we want to make sure we are helping you out. If you're an insider, we would like to make sure that we have coverage for you, but not covered so heavily that if you are a listener of our podcast or an insider subscriber, that you are feeling like you're being left out. So I just wanted to kind of clear that air as well. And I am done talking about Mac. <laughs> a discount. I have a couple of insider questions that I wanted to go over with you all. They're both on a similar theme. It's uh, mess uh, Apple's messages app related. And they're both <laughs> questions that they're actually like <clears throat> pet peeves of mine with ah. the messages app. But there are it's, it's basically like they're not that intuitive uh, features. And so you need to like know how to do it. It's not as easy just to figure it out on your own. So I thought I would share them with you all. The first question is, how do I save a text message and send it to someone else? And it's not something that's as easy to do as you would think. Um, you have to you have to press and hold a text message in order to get a menu of options. So I'm going to go through how to do that, but also tell you just as like a cutting to the chase, I think just taking a screenshot of a text message thread that you want to share with someone is the fastest and easiest way to do it. So um, you'll just take a screenshot and that will save to your photos app. And from there you can go in and, and share it. Well, easily. and yeah, a couple of thoughts on that. Uh, first of all, with the screen, when you take a screenshot now, Apple has the share menu right as soon as you take the screenshot, which mm -hmm. makes it really quick and easy just to text out to somebody else. And Apple, Donna will tell you, will tell you how to do this, even though we're going to tell you not to do it. It's a really funky user interface, a user experience when you're sharing and forwarding a message, which is what we're going to teach you to do, because it doesn't. Apple doesn't add any context. So literally, like if someone's like hey, let me tell you this long story, and they text me this whole story, I can hit forward and send that to somebody else, but it won't be like David is forwarding a message from so-and-so no. that was sent at this time. It'll literally be as if the message just came from me and will appear like it's written from me. So it's yeah. a weird interface. We'll teach you how to do it so that you understand how it works and, and if it, there ever is a time where that is appropriate. But... Nine times out of ten, a screenshot's the best way to share text messages. Yeah, I like the screenshot because it'll t you know it shows you the name at the top and the timestamp, like you yes. said. So it gives you the full context and like. I mean, at least I take screenshots a lot, so it's a pretty effortless process. Whereas this, every time I want to forward a message the way you're saying, I have to like think through, like, wait, how do I do this again? So the way you do it, though, is you <laughs> press and hold on a message bubble. And from there, a little menu will appear. Um, one way you can do it is tap copy from that menu. And then when you open a new text thread to the person you want to share it with, you just uh, tap the text box, a little menu will appear, uh, appear and then choose paste and it will paste in. And like David said, it gives no context of who it was originally from or when it was sent, but the content of the message will be there. The other option is when you press and hold a text message and the menu appears, you can tap more. And from there, a little forward arrow will appear in the bottom right corner of the text thread. You'll also have the option to trash the message, which I'll get into in a second. Um, but if you hit that forward button, you, do, you can then choose who you're forwarding the message to. And you'll also have the option to tap more messages in the text thread if you want to share more than just one text bubble. And uh, again, that will like just all of those messages will run together in one big blob when you forward it. So it's not 
that great, but you can do it. Uh, so the next question we had from someone was, is there a way to delete a recent message without deleting the entire message chain? And that's how you do it. As I mentioned, when you press and hold, tap more, there'll be a trash can icon. And this will delete this text messages from all of your devices that are signed in with the same Apple ID. Apple didn't used to have this functionality, so you'd have to do it like on each device if you wanted to get rid of a text. But it does not delete it yeah. from the recipient. So if you send a text message, there's no taking those words back. Yeah, you can't. And so it, it is confusing because, A, Apple doesn't make that clear. So when you push delete, it's not, like, clear to you that you actually only deleted it for yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, and, B, some other uh, messaging systems do allow you to. Facebook Messenger, Instagram Messenger, I think WhatsApp, all those owned by Facebook, allow you to unsend a message. Uh, so if you are somebody who regrets what you text a lot, <laughs> maybe use those or, you know, actually better just don't text things you're going to regret. Yeah. My, my advice more would be like deep breaths and put down the phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, please attend Donna and I's therapy. Yeah. <laughs> also, I'm a big, I'm a real, real proponent of, um, not having text message fights in general. Yes. Because I feel like that's uh, the agree. biggest situation I can think of where you might want to retract a message is if you got mad and said something <laughs> that you regret later. But either way, like some of these messaging platforms that let you like delete the message from both sides, I find a bit odd because I'm like, most likely the other person saw it already. So and the damage they, is already done. And if they didn't see it, it, it notifies you that it was unsent. So it's like somebody sends so a message. It just makes you suddenly, look really crazy. Suddenly it's like, so-and-so unsent the message. And you're like, it really piques your curiosity. <laughs> like, what on earth did they say to me that they felt the need to unsend? <laughs> and you also have to remember that other people can screenshot messages like we're talking about doing. So they might screenshot it and then you delete it, but yeah. they still have the record. Yeah. So anyway, the point being that um, deleting text messages, though, it is something you can do across your own devices using iMessage. And it's good to know you can do that because there are times you may want to, uh, but it doesn't it doesn't delete it from the other person's message. Um, but And I did want to just say that I think that WhatsApp um, and Signal are excellent other messaging apps that have a lot of other features, including the the ability to have the messages disappear from both sides. Uh, and they're also they also have really high security. iMessage is pretty good that way, from mm -hmm. my understanding, because Apple is good about that. But um, those are some other apps to look into if you are looking for those types of features. And real quick to move back to the first point, the um, how to save messages. I just want to give a quick plug for. A feature that Apple has, actually it's a plug to not do it. So <laughs> when you run into storage problems, remember storage and memory, different things. If you run into storage problems on your iPhone and you go to manage your storage on your iPhone, one of the prompts that Apple always gives you is to change your message history settings so that it deletes messages after a year. And it saves a lot of storage. It can save, like I've seen it often, save like 10 to 15 gigabytes of storage. Mainly is, because people are sending photos and videos. Yeah, and exactly. GIFs. Exactly. Um, which is, a, I mean, I, I'm very, very guilty of that. I send a lot of GIFs, but it's annoying because they don't really add value and they take up a lot of storage space. But here's the thing. It's really, when you do that, you can't undo it. And so you lose every message beyond a year. And there's a lot of reasons you might want those messages. First of all, there's a lot of times where somebody sent me something a, a year or two ago that I want to reference. So for example, you know, I send, I went to, this year I went to send my, I did this and regretted it. So you guys are trying, I'm having you guys learn from my mistakes here. I went to go find my sister's address to send her a birthday gift. And she texted me your address a couple of years ago. It's gone. 
So there's a lot of things like that where you may not read every day, but you want to have stored an archive of. The other thing is, um, it's a little bit, you know, delicate to talk about, but we all have friends and loved ones that pass away, and we have these archives of correspondences with them. And you don't want to lose those. You don't want to only have a year of those. So I really recommend finding other ways to free up storage because you can't save text messages that are no longer there. Yeah. On that note, too, I think if you have special voicemails that you like, um, I do think you need to clear those out periodically, but you can like, you can act, there's a share menu on those and you can save them in notes too. So that's a nice way. Like nobody likes to think about this stuff, but if you do have things like that, it's nice to save them because you might want them at some point, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, So anyway, (laughs) those were a few messages, tips for you. Um, uh, we can move, move on from that now, but, um, I do think that's a good point, David. I, I, I kind of like clearing out message threads sometimes and I'll sometimes do that on a case by case basis just mm-hmm. on my own. Uh, but I don't like Apple just doing it for me because there are certain message threads that are important to me that I want to want to hold on to. But from your main messages menu, if you swipe left on a message thread, you can delete a whole thread instead of just a text message like we taught you how to do. Um, so that's something to keep in mind as well. All right, moving on to apps and gear. We have we have a few this time. Sometimes we just give like one each. But um, <laughs> as we said, we, wanna get, we wanted to share some apps for end of summer time that we thought might be useful. And we just came out with our best apps magazine issue. So we've got like so, so many, many that we can reference and tell you about. So I wanted to tell about you about a few. Okay, let's hear it. Um, so first I wanted to talk about Hoopla and Libby. Because I'm realizing that if you're a um, Audible subscriber or if you download a lot of Kindle books, that actually can add up, like becomes a line item on your monthly budget yeah. that you uh, that you might not want to be there. And so um, Hoopla and Libby are apps that connect you to your local public library and you can rent books and audiobooks and movies and things like that through, through the app. So... Um, we have our associate editor for the magazine, Amy Spitzfadden, both. She's actually, she's a published author and is just a voracious reader. And so she's the one who told me about this. And David's been reading a lot this year too. So I thought it would be a good recommendation for you if it, you're wanting to save some money yeah, on your reading. Yeah, and I've been, I'm like really deep in Audible. And so it is a good recommendation because yeah, yeah, I think most of the books I'm reading, I've been really like doing a lot of historical nonfiction, which are like older books and I'm sure they're available for free in the library and here I am mm-hmm. spending money on them and I've heard really good things about Libby in particular but I like you said it depends what library you have locally but those yeah. are two options to check out so you do need like a current public library card and then you plug in your credentials into that and so you could like download both and see which one has better options for you or which one works um, but both have the same premise they both have audiobooks, regular books, um, and movies and, and TV shows and things like that. Apparently, like newer titles that there's a lot of interest in, you might have to be on a wait list to listen to them or read them. And uh, with all of these, they're rentals. So you don't just get to hold on to them forever. It works the mm-hmm. same way as it would going in person to your library. But it's free, which is pretty amazing. And like David said, if you're not reading like a new release, you, you might have no problem just getting the book on demand when you want it. Yeah, exactly. It comes at the, the cost it comes at is the cost of having to figure it all out and navigate it, which is why honestly I just stick with Audible. Yeah. It's like I read these books, like I'm reading a book now that's 54 hours long. I'm like, I'll just pay the $12 so I don't have to think about it. And I don't have to return a book that's an audiobook. Right. But I understand the value there. 
Yeah. So I have a couple other apps. I also already mentioned a few that were actually from our best apps issue. Signal and WhatsApp are both mm -hmm. like high security messaging apps. And I wanted to throw in House Party as well because that's like a more fun one that actually has some games in there. Like you can play a game of Uno with, with someone while you're in the app and you it's like a video chat, more hangout type app. And with the Delta variant of COVID, becoming like more of an issue it might we might be wanting to avoid certain social situations again right now or in the future so it's still nice to have an eye on some of these apps that help you stay in touch and stay connected with people even if you are not getting together in person so i already mentioned a couple of messaging apps uh, when we were just talking about the messages app signal and whatsapp are great options uh, but i also wanted to mention another one in our best apps issue we covered great apps for like high security um, and more like privacy oriented and signal and whatsapp both went into that category but also we wanted to include some fun ones for staying in touch and what house party was uh one of the ones featured mm -hmm. and ashley page she's one of our our new writers she said house party is her favorite way to have little like get togethers with friends and family when they're not getting together in person and it has features like it lets you play a game of uno together oh, while fun. you're on video chat and has a couple other features like that um, that make it fun and yeah so i wanted to mention those just because now with the delta variant spreading it's um it's like people might be opting to avoid social gatherings a little bit more again yeah. and so you know we're not you know while luckily we've been out of lockdown it's still a consideration where people might want to opt to find other ways to stay in touch using their iPhones as opposed to going out in person. And House Party is a good option for that. Signal and WhatsApp are also good apps for staying in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so last but not least, I had some cooking apps I wanted to talk about before hearing about. I know you have a gear you want to share this week. I do have a gear this week. So I'll quickly go over them. Um, I thought, you know... In the summertime, at least I've been enjoying doing some more cooking and also like trying fun cocktail recipes and things like that. So I wanted to share some options for you. Paprika Recipe Manager 3 is an app, you know, Paprika, if you just look for that on the app store, you'll find it. But that, this is the latest iteration of it, is a recipe app that lets you store recipes from across different websites. And so I really like this app because... Um, in general, I have probably a handful of websites that I go to to find recipes. And so I don't want to be like bought into just any one website. Mm -hmm. uh, and like New York Times is also an option that I, for a while I did, you know, a uh, paid subscription to New York Times cooking. And you could do a lot of the same features you can with Paprika, but you were all sold into the New York Times recipes. So I like this better because there's tons of amazing free recipes out there. You pay $4.99 once for this app, and then you can compile them into this app and still get a lot of the features you would in other individual apps, such as um, being able to create a grocery list and having step-by-step -step directions for the recipes that you're saving, and Paprika lets you do that. Yeah, that's really cool. I used to use New York Times cooking too. I really enjoy cooking. But to me, cooking is often like a social thing. Like I will be texting recipes to somebody who I'm going to eat with later in the week and be like, what do you think about this one? What do you think about that one? So then New York Times just falls apart there. You can't share recipes and half the fun of recipes is like sharing fun ones with your friends unless everybody subscribes to New York Times. And I, the thing that drives me crazy too, I do subscribe to New York Times, but you have to pay extra for the cooking app anyway. So I've been looking for a good recipe one and I'm, I'm gonna check this out. 
Yeah, it's a good one. I New York Times cooking, I think, is a good one to throw in there too for people just because like it's I, so all the good. recipes I've tried have been really good. Yeah, they and are so really good. like I tried a shrimp creole that was really good, a spanakopita casserole that was really amazing, <laughs> and a lot of times it's not like they're somewhat gourmet but not like that complicated. Yeah, totally. I mean, some of it is what recipes you choose, and the ones I did were like relatively easy and turned out really well. So that's a good option, but it does suck to have to pay. I like to the like aggregate thing because i often find myself stumbling across recipes like on the internet in various places somebody shares a good recipe or i see one like on instagram i follow a few i'm like i'm really started i feel like this is part of adulting now that i just have geeked out i just like my instagram it's just like food bloggers (laughs) (laughs) totally um but like there's so many of them and so having a place where i can aggregate all of them is nice and that's what this is it's 4.99 but it's a one time time. yeah so it's not that bad uh, the other app that I wanted to share on behalf of Nicholas, who wrote Nicholas Naoti is one of our, uh, he's on the staff at iPhone Life, and he wrote this roundup. It's called Coop, C O U P E, and it is a cocktail recipe app. Uh, Nicholas, fun fact, used to run a restaurant and bar, and so he is all about you know good food and drinks. It's Coop cocktail recipes. It's a dollar ninety nine flat fee for that. And um, he said it's a good way to, you know, learn all the classics and also some fun cocktail recipes. And I have found in, in my like limited experience of making cocktails that uh, you kind of need to know what you're doing. And it's like it's a bit of an art. So I like the idea of having an app to help me with that. Yeah, I, I half agree. I'm definitely <laughs> someone who just pours random things in and like makes tries to make fun up, make up fun, random drinks. Yeah. Um, but. I also have been really enjoying the classics lately. Like the other day I was like, what whiskey dr- – I had whiskey and I was like, what whiskey drinks can I make? And I was like looking up like old fashions and like all these different drinks that like I would – I don't usually make myself and would definitely need instructions for. And mm-hmm. I, this app would be perfect for that. Yeah. In general, I'm realizing I'm a recipe person. Like if I cook or make a drink or whatever on my own, it's going to be super basic. And so like I wouldn't have, I'm not someone who's like, oh, a splash of this, a splash of that. And we'll see what it turns out like. (laughs) I admire people who are. So, but yeah, I I, feel like when I've tried to make cocktails, not knowing what I was doing, it didn't turn out well. I think my instinct is to be just throw things together, but then I end up having like the same basic things every time because I'm just following like... I think recipes and cocktail recipes or food recipes are great because they expose you to different flavors that you wouldn't normally have made for yourself. You don't, you're not in the habit of doing so. Yeah. And, um, on that note, what, what's your favorite drink these days? Oh man. Um, I made, let me think. I've just been all over the place. I'm not even gonna lie. I'm just sort of making i'll tell you what i have been doing i have saint germain mm. and i'll throw a little bit of saint germain in like any drink i'm making and it makes it better saint germain is amazing totally agree with you on that um my drink this summer is paloma yeah you, you were saying that yeah i i really it's like paloma so it's summer yeah my paloma <laughs> summer um a grapefruit juice has like some club soda in there and lime and sugar and tequila yeah it's really good but you also can do it with vodka too or something like that okay. it's good that so i'll throw that in there for good measure you can learn how to make those with the coop app Uh, (laughs) all right so let's hear about your gear my gear is only loosely iphone related it's actually not very iphone related at all but it's really fun and so i wanted to share this because i know those of you listen to podcasts are often enjoy tech and enjoy our early adopters so i have purchased an oculus quest 2 
Uh, actually, when I say I, I mean my stepson, <laughs> who spent his own money on it, by the way. Really? Really cute. He saved up and spent his own money on it. Um, so an He's Oculus, a cool kid. He, he is a cool kid. <laughs> an Oculus Quest 2 is uh, virtual reality. So it's the whole thing you put over your face. You have the goggles. It has sound built in. And you have two little like wands in your hand. What makes it unique is a few things. Number one, it's sort of... Facebook bought Oculus, oh gosh, it's probably like eight years ago now, a long time ago. And so they've been developing for a while. This is really the latest, greatest version of it. It also is a standalone unit. So you used to have to plug it into a computer and run it through a computer, whereas this is, you don't need to plug it into anything. You just put it on your face and it just works. Um, and part of why I'm talking about it is that it's amazing. And I don't think people are, we're still in the early phases of virtual reality, but when you try it, it's really clear that this is the future. It's immersive in a way that video games just are not. And I, I don't think we probably have like the most too many gamers listening to this, but it's immersive in a way that will be affecting your life. Like when you see it, it becomes really clear that it's going to be more and more things are going to be done in virtual reality and augmented reality. And so uh, if you ever get a chance to check it out, it's really fun. I do this cool, there's this, this really creepy uh, app you can get on it where it's called Walk the Plank. And hmm. you get, uh, it's for people who are afraid of heights or just enjoy feeling fear of heights. Uh, it's, you get a literal plank and you put it on the ground and you put this on and like, so you're standing on it and your feet can feel oh that my you're God. on a wood plank. But what you look at is that you're standing on a high-rise skyscraper at the edge of it looking down and walking a plank off the edge of it. That sounds it, terrifying. It is terrifying, but in a way that's so realistic in a cool way. And actually, apparently, it can like help people, train people to not be afraid of heights. Oh, like exposure therapy? Yeah, because you that's can jump off. That's actually a really cool use case for VR. Yeah, it's a really cool use case for VR. They, I've heard they're doing it now for people who are afraid of flying, too. Yeah, actually, I have a friend who's afraid of flying. I should tell you them should. about it. Yeah. So, yeah, and you can. it's so crazy because you can jump off. And it's this weird feeling to like con because it's so realistic to consciously jump off a plank on a skyscraper and then feel yourself falling is really crazy um but to bring it back to iphones <laughs> it's fun if you get ever a chance check it out but i think it's pretty clear that you know for a while let me say that let me back up and say apple has been working on augmented reality for a long time and you and i or especially me I kind of pan it, and um, I keep saying, why are they doing it? All the things they're coming out with are pretty useless. Like, all the augmented reality features on their phone, while cool, I almost never use. How about you? Do you ever use those augmented reality features? Nope. Yeah. Um, but I think the reason why they're working on it is it will replace everything. So At some point. The, at some point down the road. So augmented reality and virtual reality, just to explain the difference, virtual reality is what I have. That's the Oculus Quest where it goes over your face and you're basically, uh, you can't see anything in the real world. Augmented reality is sort of the next generation of like what used to be like Google Glasses or whatever, where you can see the real world, but it adds things onto it. So you, ima you can imagine a world pretty easily where instead of having a computer in front of me, I have glasses on that project a computer in front of me, and mm -hmm. it looks real to me. I use it like I would a normal computer. It's just not there. Instead of using an iPhone, I look at my hand, and my glasses project an iPhone onto my hand. 
Uh, and so this is sort of, it's just fun to for people who are into early adopting to check this out because it feels like this is where we're going. And it's yeah. also just really immersive in a way that just is incredible. And there are like big companies out there like Magic Leap is one of them that's like mm -hmm. really working on developing these things and getting it to a place where we, you could use it. To me, the big blocker still is like wearing big goggles. Like yeah. they got to find a way to do these things where you're not having to wear these like big bulky goggles, but right now that's where it's at. It's where it's at, and but that's also I think why everybody's dismissing it is it's not practical now. But yeah. it will be in like 10 to 20 years, which is a while, but it's still like not that far. <laughs> well, it's cool, yeah, it's cool to imagine, like if you go look on Magic Leap's website and they have like videos and stuff up, you can see like the type of thing we could be having in the future, an office place where everything's like just projected onto uh, real life objects, you know, yeah. instead of having a like computer or a phone. So it's pretty exciting. It's cool. Um, I wanted to ask you about VR headsets now. Like I know a lot of people who are into VR gaming. Mm -hmm. It seems like that's becoming more like actually something that people are doing now. But um, when I've worn VR headsets before, it made me really dizzy and uh -huh. feel like like vertigo and yeah. i mean the game you mentioned the whole <laughs> point is to feel vertigo, vertigo. Yeah. and i'm someone who's um i would say that i am prone to vertigo like i'm afraid of heights okay. so but like d what would you say about just wearing it in general does it make you feel like dizzy and nauseous or so okay it's a known problem with vr that it can cause that okay uh, that being said, each generation causes it less and less. So the ones you've tried were probably like a few years ago, and it's gotten a lot better. Also, it tends something about the way the eye ages. It happens to people as they get older more and more. So kids don't have this at all. Hmm. Um, and so I think it's really? one of those. I know, right? Kids are annoying. <laughs> uh, it's one of those things where, like, we might be the last generation that feels vertigo for virtual reality. Mm. Um, I don't have it too much. If I do it for way too long, eventually I will. But it's a lot better than it used to be. Huh. Okay. Uh, also, the last thing to say is, like, yes, it's still the practical solution to this are not huge. But it's the, the devices are already getting a lot slimmer and a lot cheaper. So this was part of why he was able to buy it for himself. It was $299. It's not cheap, but it's not like $2,000 or something like that. Like it's a very affordable thing you people can buy now. Yeah. It's a uh, – how much was it again? Let's look. $299, I believe. Oh, $299? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Like you said, not cheap. You're still investing in it, but not, not terrible. Yeah, but it's cheaper than, say, an Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we've talked a lot about different apps and gear. Um, I did want to circle back to our sort of installment in the podcast now of talking about our beta experiences. Yes. And so uh, we want to do this until the official release in the fall that as we're testing out the iOS 15 public beta program and other beta software that either of us are using, like I'm, I'm installing macOS Monterey this week that we share with you what our experiences are so far. Mm -hmm. um, I did want to quickly, though, make our question of the week. What apps and gear are you enjoying this summer? Email us at podcast at iphonelife.com and let us know. So um, iOS 15 public beta impressions. I have. So I want to talk about shared with you. Do you have anything you wanted to go over? or should I we... do have a couple things, but start okay. with shared with you. So um, Apple is a feature that's um, it's through the Messages app that you now – in other apps can see things that were shared with you 
via messages. And the main one that I'm talking about is the photos app. Like when you go to the for you tab in photos, you'll now see photos featured there that were sent to you via text. And um, when Apple announced this, David and I both were like, hmm, that sounds sort of like an invasion or something like don't shouldn't you like want to be able to control what's in the photos app and not like have anyone who sends you anything just popping up in other apps but i did want to just circle back and say that so far my experience with it has been good um one thing that there's a clarification is it's not actually nothing is actually saved to your photos app that you don't decide to save it'll be featured in for you like hey this person shared this thing with you but it won't be like save when you go to all photos and see your photo library it won't be there unless you choose to download it so that's one thing also um you can now press and hold a contact in the in the messages app and you'll see in the menu of options that appears there's now one that says hide shared with you so you can choose which contacts you want contacts you don't want to pop up and share it with you. So there might be certain people who are sending you, you know, photos all the time that you don't want popping up and you can, you can control that, which I think is an important option. Although I would rather like have a default, it doesn't show up and then just choose certain people that it could. And um, you can, you can by default have it turned off altogether, but I don't know that you can then like turn it on case by case. So Mm. that's, that's something that is a little weird, but yeah, the other thing I wanted to mention was that now when you get photos sent to you and the messages with iOS 15, I like the new way that they show up. It's so much nicer. Yeah. So usually, like, usually you would see just if someone sent you a bunch of photos, they would all show up taking up like the whole width of your screen. And so if they sent like 15 photos, it's going to be this big, huge thing. Now Apple has them sort of clustered. Like there's a little icon that shows you that you can tap it's like four squares tap to see all the photos that were sent to you, but you're just going to see like two overlap together Mm -hmm. um, that indicates that someone sent you like a cluster of photos and there's a little download button there. So you could just in one tap download all the photos that were sent to you and then they are saved to your photo library. Exactly. So it's so nice because you could save them before, but you had to do it one at a time and there was no visual cue. You have to like long press on each one. Mm -hmm. And now, yeah, it's such a cleaner interface for sharing photos and to easily download them if somebody shares them with you. And in the in the Photos app, then, once you do download them, it'll have a little icon on it that has a message bubble. So it shows it was sent to you in messages. And when you open it, it'll have a little tag at the top that says who sent, it, who sent the photo. Yeah. So that's nice, too. Yeah, it's really nice. I agree. I've been really enjoying those features as well. All right. Now, what about you? Okay. Uh, well, I have a good and a bad. Um, I'll start with the bad. <laughs> so last time we recorded this podcast, I sat here and I was like, I have had no bugs. iOS 15 is great. <laughs> I instantly left this podcast recording, got in the car and drove to a doctor's appointment an hour and away. And it was the first time I'd used CarPlay. And CarPlay has just been a mess for me. And it, you haven't had problems, right? Not a single problem. Which is so My weird. My car's dying a lot right now, but I think that's a battery problem and I not an iOS that's 15. That's a CarPlay problem. Yeah, I blame iOS 15. Call Apple. Um, so, okay. It's all these really frustrating things keep happening where I will, um, first of all, if somebody sends me a message. So just to back up, CarPlay is Apple's in-car software. And how it works is you plug your iPhone into your car uh, display system, and basically your iPhone runs your car display system. And because you're driving, it's all verbal. Like you'd say verbal commands, and it'll read your text messages to you. You can respond to text messages, and it'll give you directions, all that stuff. So if somebody sends me a text message, it'll read the first line of the message and then just stop reading it altogether. And to make it worse, 
it will not pause my music. What the it hell? It used to just, of course, app, like it makes so much sense to pause your music when reading text messages. So now I'm like trying to hear a message that I only get half the message and the music is playing in the background. And even when I'm navigating, when it's giving me turn by turn, it doesn't pause the music either. Yeah, I actually, after David had told me about this before, I like went and tested it in my car, like doing navigation and, and it didn't do that. Isn't that weird? It's weird. And I sometimes bugs for iOS 15 are unique to like they don't they're not for everybody which is yeah. also a weird reality i don't know and we do have different phone models so that might be it did you use the feedback app to to message no, apple i should you're right i'm i just always assume apple knows yeah <laughs> when I you install beta software uh you like automatically get a feedback app that lets you like complain to apple about the things that aren't working yeah so that's the bad but again i'm very confident they'll fix it before the public release uh, the good, and this is why hands-on matters, because this is another feature where when they announced it, I was like, I don't care at all about this, and I'm really enjoying it, and that is their new smart stacks. So to back up, what is a smart stack? Uh, Apple in iOS 14 introduced widgets. Widgets are the little like visual things that can show up on your home screen. They're not apps. They can have little bite-sized pieces of information. One of the widgets Apple introduced was called a smart stack. And it had like a few different things in it. It had like photos, news, and a couple other items. And I just found it useless. It like never showed me what I wanted to see when I wanted to see it. Uh, and they said, we've improved smart stacks where I was 15. And I thought, who cares? I hate smart stacks. Well, they improved it, and now I'm enjoying it. So, like, couple... give me an example. Like, so, what? okay, there's a couple of things that they're doing. Number one, they just seem to have improved their AI so that it actually shows me what I want when I want. So, for example, when I put in my AirPods, I it'll autom the smart stack will automatically display things that I do when I have my AirPods in. So it'll be like, do you want to listen to an audiobook? Do you want to listen to a podcast? Because we know you just connected to Bluetooth and those would be things that would be useful to you. So that I've been really enjoying. Um, and so it just has, it sort of tends to be showing me the things I want to see when I want to see them. Um, also, it's instead of having a random photo, although it does sometimes have random photos, it's doing, because Apple now with the photos <coughs> app, excuse me, uh, has like the new like random, <coughs> it has the new random memories. I'll just keep talking while you drink mm -hmm. water. Uh, has the new random memories where like, it like can group things together. So it'll do that. So like, for example, I got yesterday like, evenings in Chicago and mm. I could tap on it and it showed me a video montage of evenings in Chicago. It was just a that little bit more fun. Uh, mostly though it's more relevant. Also what it does is it allows you, and this is another new feature, it allows you to um, pick and choose what apps go in your smart stack. So for example, it had like by default, it has like find my in my smart stack, but I never need find my to randomly show up, tell me the location of somebody. So I can just remove that. I don't have, I don't need quick access to notes. So I remove notes from my smart stack. So the fact that I can customize it a little bit is really nice. Um, so I've been really enjoying smart stacks and I never thought I would. Yeah, that's good to know. I set up smart stacks since you told me okay. this before, yeah. and I haven't, like, it, I'm fine with it, but I haven't <laughs> been, it, it wasn't like, oh, wow, now it's amazing for me. So, I don't know. It is interesting to think about our phones that are, like, getting to know us better than we know ourselves. Like, they know it's our usage creepy. behavior. Yeah. No, for sure. Well, like, one of them, the series suggestions one will be, like, 
text message this person. And that actually has been helpful because it'll be someone who messaged me who I forgot to write back to, which is a bit of an issue I have. Like if I don't respond right in the moment I get it, then I just, because you can't mark them as unread, which is a complaint, Apple, you need to fix that. Then I'll forget that it was ever sent. Yeah, Um, So uh, like my phone's helping me out there. So that's cool. Um, (laughs) It'll give you the other thing it does though that's new on the like, on the prompts it tells you now a lot of times it'll tell you why they're prompting it so mm. it gives you these weird insights into your behaviors like for example when i disconnect <laughs> my airpods it's like whenever you disconnect from bluetooth you like to go on facebook and i'm like do i <laughs> i was never aware of this tendency and it's like a little bit depressing that like i have my phone open i just close my airpods i have to go on facebook but i, I know. guess that's what i do and my phone's totally calling me out on it <laughs> david i thought you were going to mention so this morning in a meeting david's phone started blasting vampire weekend randomly and he blamed it on i was 15 is that <laughs> i was um, have we decided if it's a bug it was legitimately not my fault it felt like a weird thing that i didn't need to talk about but uh wait, i'll tell you what happened is actually related to a carplay issue oh so i was in the car and i put it turned on spotify and i said play vampire weekend and it just never loaded for me mm. and then i got out of the car walked into a meeting with 15 people <laughs> and that was the moment my phone thought this is perfect time to play vampire weekend honestly uh, that does sound like a bug it well yeah it was but it, it it only happened once i haven't replicated it so it, it legitimately really was not funny. my fault but yeah it was a little bit embarrassing because it made me seem like i was not paying attention to anyone and it was on my phone which wasn't true i think the thing that's funny about it was that all of us afterwards were like at least it was a good song yeah. <laughs> vampire weekend is a band that yeah was not obvious to everybody all right so i think that's it just a reminder of our question of the week what apps and gear for your apple devices are you using this summer uh, to ha- live your best summer email us at podcast at iphonelife.com Thank and you, we'll everyone. see you in a couple weeks and please do us a favor and share with your friends who you think will enjoy this podcast yes yeah, so then you can listen and chat about it together which is more fun and help support what we're the work we're doing yes um, and we really appreciate it bye